Let us pray. Our precious Father, we just want to thank you again for the privilege we have tonight to study your word. We trust you that you will grant us mercy to speak under your unction and that you open our eyes, open our ears, that the word will have entrance into every hearer so that we will bear fruit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our topic is identity part three. Identity, the Christian identity part three. I want to do some lengthy introduction here, some background that will help us in um, understanding grace and in appropriating grace and living in the benefits of grace. We want to talk about the word of God itself. It really to be regretted that many Christians today do not pay much attention to the word of God. They do not read it. Many do not read the Bible. Some read it occasionally, and others read it to fulfill an obligation. We want to encourage us to make time for the Word of God. Not just reading it, but studying it. We were told to study it, not just read it. See, the times we live in fits into everything the Scripture the Bible says will happen in these last days. And here are some of them. First Timothy 4 from verse 1. Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last days, some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. These people are hypocrites and liars, and their consciences are dead. So they will sell anything to anybody who is vulnerable. And our scripture says, 2 Timothy 4.3, for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to this, to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their eating ears want to hear. It's happening today. They will reject the truth and chase after meats. All manner of meats that is not biblical. And you wonder, why should somebody believe it? It's the spirit of the last days. Spirit of the last days. So our instruction is 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show thyself approved unto God. Study. A workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study means the devotion of time and attention to acquiring knowledge of an academic subject, in this case the Bible, especially by means of book. That's what study means. The devotion of time and attention to studying the scripture. The, the, the devotion of time and attention to studying the scripture. Joshua 1 8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. This means the Bible. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then, Thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then 
thou shalt have good success. As some translations say, you have good success in all you do in life. And that is true because the psalmist wrote in Psalm 1 that when we follow scriptures, when we meditate on scriptures, they were like a tree planted by the rivers and we bring forth fruits in its season. Now, God told us how to live life and how to be healthy. And life and health are the most important things that people pursue. Now, if you are sick and you have a diagnosis, a very bad diagnosis that will end your life, it turns your life upside down immediately. Life is what we all pursue. If we don't have life, every other pursuit comes to an end. If you don't have health, every other pursuit comes to an end. You can't go to work. You can't do anything if you don't have, if you are sick, very sick. Now, God tells us how to obtain life and how to obtain health. But do we listen? Proverbs 4.20. My son, attend to my words. Now, remember, study is to devote time and attention. Exactly what God is saying. Attend to my words. Incline thy ear to my sayings. Why attend to my words? Because there are other words that will demand your attention. Television will demand it. Your phone, internet, friends, all manner of myths. The devil is thrown out there. We demand your attention. But God says, in the midst of that, my son, my daughter, attend to my own word. Incline their ear unto my sayings. It gives you reason. Let them not depart from thy eyes. Meditate on it day and night. Keep them in the midst of thy heart. Why? For they are life. What we're pursuing, God said, this is how you get it. For they are life unto those that find them. And health to all their flesh. Cancer or not. I mean, this is God Almighty saying this. So this is the truth. For their life unto those that find them. The word find is there because some will not cite the scripture. They will not study. So you need to look for it if it's important to you. And health to all their flesh. Now, we read something like this. Shouldn't it make me to say, oh, well, well, this is the way out of this thing. Now, no, we shut it down and we're listening to myths from so-called prophets, people who have lost their conscience. We trust in what they say. We trust more in dreams, trust more in whatever. You know, we're so supernatural conscious. I don't know if that's the best way to put it. We are crazy about supernatural manifestation. It's eating into our consciousness that the word of God doesn't mean it. All we're seeking for is miracle and something, manifestation we shall see. Somebody gave me prophecy. I had a dream. It's wonderful to dream. It's wonderful to have prophecy. But listen to me. None of that 
equals the word of God. None of that is described as God. The only thing described as God is the word. In the beginning was the word and the word was God. Your vision, your revelations and every other thing, none is described in equal terms as God. None of them did God exalt above his name except his word. None of them ranks equally with the word of God. None. Peter said we saw this wonderful revelation on the mountain. He said, but we have this more sure word of prophecy, which is written that you do well to listen to the word of God. Did you know that God didn't say, my son, listen to uh, prophecies, listen to dreams, and they be held to you? No, he said, listen to my word. You know, we, we, we follow things we see, manifestations, if it's not a, um, I don't know how to put it. My son, attend to my word. That's what he told us to do. Then you find life, you find health. You find life, you find prosper. He said, prosper in everything you do. Oh, no, no, no. Want to go to a prophet? <laughs> Let me say some things that are important. And listen to me. You cannot grow spiritually without feeding on the word of God. It's not going to happen. You will remain a spiritual baby, ruled by your flesh. Your flesh will dominate you. Ignorance will be your, will, will finish you. You'll be a baby. Running around looking for somebody to change your diapers. Because you can't stand strong and you know God, you stand strong and do exploit. You'll be looking for people to pray for you and tell you, give you vision, give you this. You don't have, you don't know God at all. No one can grow spiritually without feeding on the word of God. If you like, pray from January to December. Growth comes from feeding. There is no child you have and it grows except you feed the child. If you don't feed that child, that child will die. Pray for the child Monday to Tuesday. You must feed that child the same way spiritually. Growth comes by feeding on the word of the living God. What food is naturally to life? The word of God is to our spiritual life. And when you grow spiritually, your prayer will be very effective. You will pray spirit-inspired Spirit-led prayers. It may not be many words, but your faith will be strong. You know how to ask in faith and receive. You will know that prayer is not about many words, repetitions, shouting one o'clock, making louder. Why not get a microphone and blow up the house? When you grow spiritually, you will get, leave the junk that people are following. And our faith is a decent thing. Very decent faith. Powerful. Produces result. Jesus said, 
this kingdom is like small uh, mustard seed. To you, it will look insignificant. Is it praying in Jesus' name? Is that all? God, Jesus said, yeah. That's it. The king, he said the kingdom of God is like mustard seed. He put it into the ground. It grows into a giant and base of the air come to it. He said it's like, it's like a yeast. See, insignificant. But you put it somewhere, it affects all those things and blow it up. See, as simple as Jesus. Go to the whole Bible and study the whole prayer in the Bible. There's even last one minute too. If you grow spiritually, you spend three hours with God in communication. You won't even know it's three hours. Because you are sharing and communing with him. Prayer is discussing with God. You're going to read discussion with God. And that's when God reveals to you the deep things of life. Why should God come to church and say, this prayer that church is praying, we tell somebody, say, don't join them. He will let the rest be yelling there. Why should he do that? Because he knows that that person's prayer works. And that person knows about prayer. And he doesn't want the person deceived. It is feeding on the knowledge of Jesus Christ that will grow your spirit, grow your love life, grow your faith, grow your love life out of carnality. Where your love grows that you can love your enemies very easily becomes a natural thing to you. Your mouth can be controlled. It can be controlled. Gossiping will look like poo to you. Like poo. The Bible says it's like a dog going back to its vomit. That's the way it looks to you. Because now you are spiritually matured. You sit in spiritually, you talk spiritually. Every single time you open your mouth, it is inspired word. You know the value of words. You know the value of peace. You know the value of silence. You know the value of patience. You know the value of the spirit of fruit of the spirit. You don't do them because I'm a Christian struggling to do them. They come out of you naturally. First Peter 2.2. 2. As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. That's what grows us. Everybody is born a baby in the kingdom of God. But when you drink the milk of the world, then you grow to where Paul talks of eating the bone. And in order to tell us what the milk is, in verse 3, if so be you have tested the Lord, that the Lord is gracious. He said the test, the test, what you're testing is the Lord Jesus himself. In the knowledge of Christ. Acts 20, 32. And now I entrust you to God and the message of his grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those he has set apart for himself. See, the message of his grace, the works of grace, what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross. 
you should know those things to grow. You must know those things to grow. You must know them, appropriate them, believe them, live in them, confess them for it to work in your life and pick, pick you out of what you used to be and make what the new thing a real thing in your life. Let us see confirmation of scriptures about Jesus being the food, the knowledge of Christ being the food. Revelation 19, 30. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. That's who Jesus is. He was in the beginning. He was the Word that became flesh. In 1 John 1, 1, we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. The word became flesh. John said we saw it, touched it. This one who is life itself was revealed to us, and we have seen him, and now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He is eternal life. He is life. If you, if you eat and feed on the knowledge of Christ, you grow spiritually. John 6, 49. Your father did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. So, 50. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. He he's talking about your spirit. Your flesh will die. He said the one they ate in the wilderness fed their flesh. He fed their flesh. Kept their flesh alive. But this manna, this one, this new manna, this new feeding, you eat, we keep your spirit alive. Eternally. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. Remember Jesus used this metaphor. Metaphoric. If any man eat this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I give, you can't get confused. The bread that I give is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. When I give my life on the cross, life will be made available to the world. So that's the bread I brought you. I brought you my life. This bread is not the one you eat physically. It's my life, which if I give on the cross, life will be made available to you. And in know him, the more you know me, the more you grow in that life. And faith comes by hearing about Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 12, 2, looking away from all that we distract with Jesus, who is the leader and the source of our faith. That's why knowing Jesus is very critical. He is the source of our faith. 
He, he breaks your faith. He grows your faith. It's the source of our faith, giving the first incentive for our belief. And it's also the finisher. He grows it to maturity. That's what he's talking about. He is the object of our faith. He is the object of our faith. It is faith in Christ that gives you victory. And Romans 10, 16 says, but not everyone welcomes the good news. It's the message of the cross now. Message about Jesus Christ. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who had believed our message? What message? The good news. He said in verse 17, so faith comes by hearing. That is hearing the good news about Christ. So verse 16 and verse 17 tell us exactly what he's talking about, the source of faith. He said, not everyone hears the good news. And yet faith comes from knowing Christ, from receiving the message of the gospel. The gospel is about the grace of God in Christ Jesus. So the devil's strategy is to distract us from the message of the good news. The gospel and the message of grace that will build us up and give us our blessings, which Christ died for us to have, that will be his strategy. If you can distract you from that and give you anything else, religious whatever, rituals to do, wake up 1 a.m., wake up 4 a.m., Midnight, power of midnight prayer. All those kind of junk you give to you. Your faith will be in those things. Your faith will be in those things. Not in the living Jesus. And what he did on the cross. It's so clear. Can't you understand that? He will distract you away from the work of the cross and where God gave you all things that pertain to life and godliness. And then give you rituals to do, convincing you that this is what we produce, what you need for life and godliness. What he did to Adam. So by doing that, he blinds you to what God did to give you all you need for life and godliness. He blinds you to that. Second Corinthians 43, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them, that are lost, in whom the God of this world have blinded the minds of them which believe not. When Christians don't believe the gospel of grace, don't believe the gifts of grace, they are blinded by Satan. Let the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus, the Lord, and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. You know, the Galatian church fell prey to this. They became a victim of this. The devil distracted them away from Jesus, the source of it, and that brings it to maturity, to what they do themselves. What they do themselves. Galatians 3. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you, for the meaning of Jesus' death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. The meaning was made clear to you. The reason he died, the benefits he brought, the meaning was made clear to you. We didn't come here to teach you religious stuff. We came to teach you Christ and him crucified. This is the meaning. 
Remember that when Jesus died, the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John didn't tell us the meaning. He told us he died. But the Holy Spirit wrote to the church and said, this is the meaning. This is what happened there. There you were crucified with him. The gospel didn't tell us, but the Holy Spirit taught it to the church. Paul said, the meaning was made clear to you people. Verse 2, let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? So did you, did you qualify for the Holy Spirit by, is it not because you accepted Christ Jesus, become born again, that you can receive the Holy Spirit? Is it not by that means? How come you think the Holy Spirit is what you now accept, you receive, by whatever you do to qualify? Is it not faith in Christ that qualified you? That's what he was asking. Them. He said, let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you had about Christ. You got born again. And then you received the Holy Spirit. Now you want to receive other blessings except again the way you received the Holy Spirit. Through faith in Christ. He says, who bewitched you? You started in the Spirit. Now you ended up in the flesh. Flesh, the arm of the flesh. It breaks people's heart that people are pushing Christians to the arm of the flesh. Instead of the arm of the Lord. It should be regretted. Now there's this bunch of Christians not interested in knowing Jesus at all. They're not interested. All they want is miracle. Pray for me. They're not interested. But see what happens. John 12, 37. But through but though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him. That the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spake, Lord, who had believed our report? Say, who believed this now? And to whom had the arm of the Lord been revealed? Who has seen the power of Christ, what he did on the cross, destroying the power of sin, setting us free, giving us new life. The arm of the Lord was at work on the cross. It's not the arm of the flesh. Therefore, they could, verse 39, John 12, 39. Therefore, they could not believe because that Isaiah has said again, he had blinded their eyes and hardened their heart that they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their heart, and be converted, and I should heal them. 41. This thing said Isaiah when he saw his glory and spoke of him. They are interested. So the Bible says, since they didn't seek revelation to know him, why should God give them revelation? Is it not what you seek, you find? They weren't interested. They don't read their Bible. They read it sarcastically. I mean, read it uh, occasionally and, you know, just read it, put it under the pillow, and the Bible is having dues, <laughs> I mean, mildews, whatever. And they, I mean, you open the pages, you find mildews in the Bible. They don't even come to church with any, any hope of reading the Bible. They just come and see it. There is no mental connection when they sit in church with what is going on 
No connection. They just they're observers. Just observers. Just see the observers. There is no mental connection. There is no effort to be consciously connected to what God is teaching, the, 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 the worship that is going on. And through this worship, God is bringing messages. A brother told me once that one of the songs they were singing, God took that and started talking to him. These people are disconnected. They just sit down there. There is no conscious connection. Because they are not interested. Christianity means, doesn't mean much to them. If you call for prayer for a miracle, they are number one. But no God and take responsibility, no. Since they are not seeking revelation, God says, I'm not giving. So they remain blind. Think about it, my brothers and sisters. Is that the best place you want to be in life? And the Bible says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And then this lack of knowledge deceived them. Because now they have misguided, misplaced values. Because Jesus is not important to them. I mean, because the word of God is not important to them. Because they don't have any desire for it. Why? Because they derive their value from the world. Oh, they think I have good jobs. What are you talking about? <laughs> I have good jobs. I have insurance. I have this. I have that. That's their value. And because they have those things, Jesus means absolutely nothing to them. So they feel so confident in what they have, apart from the Christ they have. So they have more confidence in the values of the world that have no eternal value than the values of the kingdom of God that has eternal value, than Jesus himself. This is absolutely true. If you take away their jobs, they start praying and fasting like a house on fire. Revelation 3, 15. I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich. See what I'm saying? I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. <laughs> I have money. What are you talking about? I have jobs. I'm healthy. I have the until if they hear tomorrow, bam, that they have cancer, they start fasting and pray. But before they all, no, no, I have everything, I'm okay. I'm okay, it's all right. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched, miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. And our Lord Jesus spoke to this type of people and attitude. You see, what we're bringing this background is, this is what makes you not know the value of grace and not understand what grace means. And you miss out on all the provisions of grace. Lack of interest to know. And religious blind, blindness that the devil creates in people's minds. Luke 12, 14. Jesus replied, friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? 
Then he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Your money in the bank means nothing. God said, that doesn't define who you are. You don't know who you are. You define yourself with money. Hear the God of heaven and earth. It says, life is not measured by how much you own. Sixteen. Then he told the story to illustrate this thing. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. Seventeen. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, no, no, I know, no, I know, no, 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 I know. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Bros, you don't come for Bible study. Oh, you know, we are busy. We are building bigger barns, you know, for more money to come. You know, I have investments everywhere. I, I, I will come, you know. Be, I'm attending to my business. I'm a very busy man, you know. Building bigger barns. Then I will have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I will sit back and say to myself, you've worked so hard. <laughs> now retire and enjoy your stuff, man. You need to enjoy the hard work of your life. Let me con congratulate yourself. Then I will have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods, 19. And I will sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God showed up. We sing it now. God has a father that says, He will show up. He will show up. And tell you what the reality is. God showed up, but God said to him, You fool. You will die this very night. So you're not going to leave to enjoy those. You are going this very night, tonight. Then who will get everything you work for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but have, but have, and not have a rich relationship with God. Jesus said, such a person is a fool. And if God calls somebody a fool, that person is a fool by any means you want to define it. The instruction to us, therefore, is 1 Timothy 4.15. Meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself, Christian, and unto the doctrine you are believing. Be careful what you are believing. Continue in them, for in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and their family that listen to you. People under your influence. You save thyself and them that hear thee. Be careful what you believe. We live in the days of iniquity. Doctrines that accommodate anything. Second Peter 2.18, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 
Peter said, you need to invest in growing in grace, growing in grace, and in the knowledge of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forevermore. And everybody say, amen. Now, the most benefit of grace, that if you grow in grace, you should know these things. And they become your reality. And you stop struggling. Jesus came to take away struggle. He said, come unto me, all you that are heavily laden. Let me carry your burden and give you rest. That's what he did for us people. That these things, you don't work for them anymore. He's worked and provided them. All you need to do is to come. He said, the kingdom of God is like a rich man that throws a party. You just come and eat. Second Peter 1.2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power had given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him that had called us to glory and virtue. Through the knowledge of him, you experience these things that God has given you for life and a godly life. For life and godliness. Through the knowledge of Christ it comes. If I want to leave them, if I want to realize them in my life, and the Bible says it's through the knowledge of Christ it comes, shouldn't I study to know him? So that I will experience this. That's why Paul prayed, Ephesians 1.17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That God will open our eyes to know him. That is if we are interested. So we can see why Paul says, nothing compares with the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That is Philippians 3.8. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite. Some people say infinite, some people say infinite. Infinite is endless. Finite is, is limited. Infinite is endless value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all garbage, so that I could gain Christ. When Jesus came, he brought us grace and truth. Jesus didn't bring us law. He didn't bring us code of conduct. Moses brought law and the law failed. So Jesus didn't need to bring us another set of laws. I want to say it here loud and clear. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, did not bring us laws. He brought us life and truth. Because man could not be, could, you couldn't, Tinker man, <laughs> you know, you can refurbish man. Man needed a new life. And the kind of spirit that will obey God. Because evil has corrupted man that there was no point you couldn't fix him. He had to die. So a new life would begin. God needed to do a new creation. Laws could not fix man. He needed to be created new. With a new nature. And Jesus brought us that life. He brought us grace because it is the work of grace that provided us all things we need for life and godliness. 
He gave us his life. That provided us all of that. And that opened the door for the Spirit to live in us. So now, let's read it in John 1.17. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Grace is the work of grace on the cross through which we had a new life, and truth is a testimony of the work of grace. Truth is the gospel. Christ is the truth. Truth is what testifies to you about the work of grace. And John 1.16, New Living Translation. For it says, from his abundance we have all received one grace, gracious blessing after another. So he brought us abundance of grace. Abundance of all the graces of God. Jesus brought it to us. Everything. Shouldn't you know them? Are you going to enjoy what you don't know? The Bible said that Jesus led us into this place of undeserved favor where we now stand as Christians. The arm of the Lord provided it. The arm of the flesh cannot provide them. That's why it's received by faith only. Now let's look at the work of grace that Jesus provided us. Gracious blessing upon gracious blessing, abundance of it. Let's look at some of them. Now the scripture says that when they were rebuilding the temple in Zechariah 4.7, for who are you, O great mountain of human obstacles, before Zerubbabel, who with Joshua had led the return of the exiles from Babylon and was undertaking the rebuilding of the temple before him, you shall become a plain, a mere molehill, and he shall bring forth the finishing gable stone of the of new temple with loud shoutings of the people crying, grace, 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 prophetically, saying that the new temple will be built by the work of grace. Who is the new temple? You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Built by grace. And let me say something here. And the Lord said this to me. Lying on my couch in my living room. He said, if it's not free, it's not grace. I, I got up, I said, yeah. He said, yeah. If it's not free, it's not grace. If it's deserved, it's not grace. If it's not grace, it's not me. Jesus brought grace. So if it's not work of grace, it's not him. You know why you got that one. If it's not free, it's not him. <clears throat> because he didn't charge us anything. First Corinthians 2.12. Now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. It was his grace, is free. You don't pay for it. You don't. You receive by faith. God has given us, not going to, all things that pertain to life and godliness in Christ. Through the knowledge of Jesus, you know them, appropriate them, and it was for you. Nothing is required of you anymore. It's freely given. When people give you a card, gift card, nothing is required. You just go to the store and pick what you want. 
can you give them the card and you go home. Nothing is, if you go there and you are doing something else, they will call intervention, something is wrong. But you bring your card, they say, sure. It's been paid for, prepaid. Everything God gave us is prepaid. If it's not free, if it is not free, it is not Jesus. Freely you have received. If it's not free, it's not Jesus. He didn't bring it. If it is free, if it is undeserved, it is grace, that's what he brought. That's how you know the one he brought to you and the one the devil is giving you. Because the devil will want to put burden on you. Queen Jesus said, come and give me the burden and rest. What I'm giving you is free now. What the Lord could not do, I've come to give you now. Come that you have life and have it more abundant. And I brought you all the blessings of God free. Look at Paul's testimony. 1 Corinthians 15, 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. See? Say the grace of merited favor. My change was what the arm of the Lord did. I didn't deserve that, but he changed me. I didn't deserve that. On the cross, he changed me. He changed me. Unmerited. Second Timothy 1.4. I mean, Second Peter 1.4. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, these promises are fulfilled on the cross. These promises are fulfilled in Christ. When he died, buried, rose, he fulfilled them. So he's talking about all this that Jesus fulfilled for us and then made us partakers of divine nature is coming to us through the fulfillment of all the promises that the word of God reveals to us. Works of the grace that have been fulfilled for you. Whereby are given unto us exceedingly great and precious promises, but there are no more promises now. Because they have all been fulfilled. They have become truth that has been fulfilled. Now, that by these you might be partakers of divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through loss. Through these fulfilled promises, God promised us life. Jesus brought it, fulfilled it, so now I can have life. God promised us healing. Jesus came, brought us healing. Great, gracious blessing upon gracious blessing upon gracious blessing. He made us partakers of divine nature by creating us and giving us the life of God. We carry divine nature. Now let me show you another work of grace. You are coming to Christ. It's not really of you. Just in case you don't understand. It's not really of you. James 1.18, he chose to give back to us. He chose to give back to us by giving us his true word. And we all, we out of all creation became his prized possession. He chose it. It's not the will of men. It's the will of God. John 6.44, no man can come to me 
except the Father which has sent me draw him. And I will raise him up on the last day. He chose to give back to us. It was his choice. We didn't do anything to make him decide it. Romans 11.4. And do you remember God's reply? He said, no. I have 7,000 others who have never bowed down to Baal. 7,000 have never bowed down to Baal. Before you start boasting of your holiness, you must know where it's coming from. Never bowed down to Baal. It is the same today. For a few of the people of Israel have remained faithful because of God's grace. You remain faithful because Christ is working in you to keep you faithful. If you remove Christ Jesus, you can do nothing. You can't be faithful. It's important that we appreciate the work of grace so that we become humble. Become very humble and give glory to whom glory belongs. He says, it's because of God's grace. He's undeserved kindness in choosing them. And since it is through God's kindness, then it is not their good works that made it. For in that case, God's grace will not be what really is free and undeserved. If you are faithful, it is the free and undeserved work of the Spirit of Christ. And you give him all the glory. And secondly, we are saved by grace. If it's not free, if it's not free, brethren, if it's not undeserved, it's not grace. And if it's not grace, it's not what Christ brought. Get out. Don't get involved. Ephesians 2.8. God saved you by his grace. When you believe. Simple. And you can't take credit for this. I can't take credit for faithfulness or whatever. Can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Freely given. Undeserved. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. None. Again, if it's not free, if it's not undeserved, it's not grace. And if it's not grace, it's not part of what Christ brought. I thought that was straightforward. But when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he revealed his kindness and love, verse 5, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins. Because of his mercy, he washed away our sins, giving us a new birth, a new life through the Holy Spirit, free, unmerited grace. Six, he generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior. Seven, because of his grace, he declared us righteous. Why not believe it? He declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. Eight, this is a trustworthy saying. 
And I want you to insist on these teachings. Insist on these teachings. So that all who trust in the Lord will devote themselves now to doing good. When you trust in Jesus, you receive all things he provides for life and godliness. You cannot devote your life to serving God. But not when you reject all these things. And resort to the arm of the flesh to produce what you can't produce. Without Christ, you can do nothing. Now, the Bible concludes here that there is no boasting. Because it's free, it's undeserved, unmerited, so that we can't boast of anything. And that's why people are fighting with God. They want to have a, a corner in this thing. So they have something they can say, look at me. <laughs> look at what I've done. Look how holy I am. <laughs> how faithful I am. You know, because I did this. Because I, it didn't do nothing. If you did anything, it was the Spirit of God that made you do it. Without that Spirit of God, you can do nothing. Romans 3 to 27. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? Our acceptance by God is free, it's undeserved, unmerited because of the grace of God through Christ that Jesus came and died for us. No, because I'm reading Romans 3 27, the middle one. No, because our quitter is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith alone. By accepting Christ, your sins are forgiven. We just read it in Titus. We just read it in Titus. That he washed away our sins by his blood. Not by what I did. It's his grace. It's what he did. It's the arm of the Lord. So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. Say, can we boast then that there's anything we contributed here? Ephesians 2.8, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, verse 9, not of works, let anyone should boast. Brethren, we have nothing to boast about. So we simply humble ourselves and receive with thanksgiving and it will start manifesting in our lives. It's just as simple as that. God made this thing that anybody can do it. Well, let's look at the four major things that we see in our salvation that a Christian must be familiar with, must believe them, so that you can make progress. If you don't accept these things, it will put a full stop in your spiritual growth. Acts 26, 18. This is the testimony of the work of grace. Number one, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. That's number one. And from power of Satan unto God. Number two, from open their eyes, turn you from darkness to light when you come to Christ. That's the number one. Number two, to deliver you from the power of Satan unto God. That's number two. You have to believe it. And number three, that they may receive forgiveness of sins. You must believe your sins are forgiven. If you don't, it will keep you back and prevent you from acting in faith to receive every other thing. Because with guilt, you cannot exercise faith. Number four, and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. You've received, your eyes is opened, 
and turned from darkness to light. You have been delivered from the power of Satan unto God. You have received forgiveness of sin, and you've been sanctified by faith in Christ. You've been set apart and sanctified. You've been sanctified. And then you have inheritance, the blessings that come from, you know, he says these blessings are product of giving us out of his abundance. Gracious blessings upon gracious blessings, grace upon grace upon grace, freely, 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 freely. So these four things I want to look at quickly. Number one, turn from darkness to light. Open our eyes, turn us from darkness to light. The blindness of Satan is removed when we come to Christ Jesus. By receiving the spirit of Christ, the spirit of revelation, the spirit of illumination, we can know what has been given to us in Christ. Blindness, spiritual blindness is taken away when we come to Christ. He says, we turn from blindness to light. We turn from darkness to light. Now, Christ gives revelation through his spirit and through his word. He said, I'm the light of the world. That lightens every man that comes into this world. When you receive Christ, his spirit will begin to quicken your spirit and, and reveal to you the things that God is doing, freely given to you, and show you what, what guides you in the wisdom of God. And he does this through the word that he has given us. That's why it's important to study the, the scripture. Luke 1, 79. To give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. To guide our feet into the world of peace. That's what Jesus said I came to do. To give light. To give illumination. To give revelation to your spirit. So that you know the things of God. 1 Corinthians 2.12 Now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Quit things also we speak, not in the words, in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but quit the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now the Spirit of Christ is giving us revelation. If I don't have that Spirit of Christ, there is no source of that revelation. I won't have it. So when we receive it, according to the gospel, we have been turned from darkness to light. We have turned from spiritual darkness to spiritual illumination. We are now in the light of the kingdom. We can see. You can see. I can see. Psalm 119, Thy word is lamp unto my feet and the light unto my path. See, the spirit brings illumination through the word. Through the word. Ephesians 5, 8. For once, you were full of darkness. But now, you are light from the Lord. You are light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Christ is the light in us, illuminating us and producing works of light, not works of darkness. By Illuminating your heart, educating you. You see things correctly from God's point of view.
scripture, if you have not learned the scriptures, you will be a Pentecostal sinner. You will live a, be a Pentecostal hidden. Because you have not learned, your mind is not illuminated. You will be walking in the mindset of the hidden and you act like them. And you will not see the difference. That's why Christians stand up and defend, defend immoral things that are totally dirty. And they say it's love. They say, no, love people. No, love does not deal with iniquity. The Bible says love does not do evil. Love does not rejoice in iniquity. Romans 12, 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. What is good and pleasing, perfect. If you don't let God transform you and change you, your thinking, so you know that you are different from what you used to be, so you know your sins are forgiven, so you know that you can now know the things of God, so that you know you have a new life, that you've been created new, so that you know that you are now the temple of the Holy Spirit, that you are different. You will be acting like your old nature. For as a man thinketh, so he will be. So he will be. So he will be. You can't reject the mercy of God and expect to live a new life. For it is of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed. Number two. So we receive forgiveness of sin and are, and are sanctified by faith that is in Christ Jesus. Second Corinthians 5.18. And all of this is a gift from God. Again, gift. Who brought us back to himself? He's the one that brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. That's our task. Reconciliation is not accusation. When Jesus came, he said, I didn't come to condemn anybody. I didn't come to condemn anybody. I came to reconcile them to God. Verse 19. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins. Oh, he said, Pastor, no. Hey. Well, that's what God said. That's the truth. That's the testimony of grace. No longer counting people's sins against them, including you. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation to stop counting people's sins against them. If you are counting people's sins against them, you are judging them. You are not in, in reconciliation business. If I'm counting your sins, I'm judging you guilty. If, you are, if I'm counting your sins, so what did Jesus achieve for you on the cross? Is that counting your sins that will take away your sins? It's the blood that was shed. Verse 20 says, so 
We are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. God is appealing. We speak for Christ when we plead, come to God. Come, just come to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Come. God already sorted out the problem of your sin. He made Christ his son to be the offering for our sin. So once he made that offering, your sins are taken care of. Come to God now. Come and accept this forgiveness. But the church will say no. You have to accept your sinner first. That's not the gospel. Why should they? Well, he said, because if they don't accept it, then they don't, they don't know the needs of the Savior. Really? God didn't prescribe that. Because it's the Spirit of God that is his job to make them know the need of the Savior, not you. It's the Spirit of God that convinced the world of sin, of rejecting Christ. That's what the Bible says. It's not a man's assignment. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, of rejecting Christ, and of righteousness that is available for them. He is one that helps them see the need for it. When I got saved, it was the Spirit of God that opened my eyes to see that I need Jesus. Nobody did that. It was him. And when he did that, I ran to that altar. I needed Jesus desperately in one minute. I realized I needed him, that my life was a messed up junk. It's not your role to do that. Your role is preach the gospel. That's all. God said, give them message of reconciliation. That Christ, Jesus, has been made sin for us. Who knew no sin? That God can count us righteous, accept us. Tell them that your job is done. If they believe that, they are saved. Nothing is required. Their salvation is not of works. It's a free thing. So I receive forgiveness of sins and we are sanctified by faith that is in Christ Jesus. The third thing, delivered from the power of Satan, from the kingdom of Satan, and are now in the kingdom of Jesus as sons of God, members of his household. Now look at Colossians 1.13. Who had delivered us from the power of darkness and had translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. He had delivered us from the kingdom of darkness and had translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. That's where we are. Now, before you came to Christ, the devil had you. Ephesians 2.2. 2. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil. The commander of, this, of the powers in the unseen world, he is the spirit at work. The spirit at work. Note that. In the house of those who refuse to obey God. There's a demonic spirit at work. All of us used to live that way, following the passions and desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. And by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. There was a spirit of the devil that was influencing our, our lives. That's why Jesus said, you have your father, the devil. Now, you have the spirit that makes you do the opposite, that makes you do the will of God. And that's the spirit of Christ. 
That's what he said. We've been delivered from that spirit that used to make us do evil. Now we have a new spirit, the spirit of Christ, that makes us do the will of God. Now, Philippians 2, 13. For it is God which worketh in you now, both to will and to do his good pleasure. Before, he says, he says before, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world, he is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. You now come to Christ, the testimony changes. You are changed. He says, for it is God which worketh in you now, not devil, both to will and to do his good pleasure. See? So you've been delivered from the works of Satan, from the kingdom of Satan. Now it's God that works in you, making you to do the will of God. The other one was working in you, making you not to do the will of God. 1 Corinthians 3.16. Know you not that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwelleth in you now. John 8.36. If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. What delivered us from control of the flesh and sin? Romans 6, verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you. Why? For you are not under the law, but under grace. Grace brought us deliverance from the control of flesh. He said, Pastor, how? Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can now do the good things he planned for us long ago. The new nature does not respond to sin. That's why God brought, this is brought life. Man cannot be tinkered. You can't refurbish man. He's messed up totally. So he needed to be created new and given a new life, given the life of God. And because you have this life by nature, you can now do the good things planned for us long ago. So because of this spirit in you, the new nature, you can say to the flesh, no, you don't dominate me again. I am being dominated by the spirit of Christ. If you believe these things, you see the reality. But if you don't believe them, sin will rule you, flesh will rule you, for it shall be to you according to your faith. It's, your life is just a picture of what you believe. I'm telling you the truth. It's a picture of what you believe. You change what you believe, your life changes. For it shall be to you according to what you believe. You believe the scripture, you believe the truth, the truth will set you free. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we want to thank you and give you praise and give you glory for bringing us the truth again out of the scriptures. We, we trust you with this message. Only you, only you, Lord. Except you build, nobody can. Only you can build us. Only you can help us. I trust all of us into your able hand, your faithful hand, that, Lord, you cause this seed to bear fruit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.